walking around the board and collecting people's money and things. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and there's a chance card that when you, you pull it and, you know, and it has you go here or do this, and sometimes it isn't so good. But, you know, our walk with God isn't by chance. Do you know that? It's not, it's not like you just stumble upon life and things happen. No, friends, God orchestrates our life if we listen to his promptings and obey what he has for us. And so, so it's imperative for us as followers of Christ to follow Christ. Amen? So uh, for a few verses, before we get into those verses, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event, so you can go ahead and pull that up. Got that pulled up. So we do have, got it pulled up, Frank. So we do have all of our notes up on the screens are for you today. This message is going to be a little bit different. Usually, you know, I preach, I have points, you know, I, I try to throw a few jokes in there, all this other stuff. When I was preparing this message, the Lord really uh, prompted me to uh, read a good passion, good passion, good portion of scripture today. So I'm going to say a few things and then we're basically, we're going to be breaking down Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Now I have to just kind of forewarn you because a lot of times when you start getting, it's funny how, how we can pay attention. And then when the, then when the word starts being read, sometimes we kind of like our mind starts going like, woo, you know, we start thinking, Oh, look, you know, look at the, that lights out or, or whatever, whatever. Are we thinking about lunch or whatever? So I just want to encourage you to try to do your best to pay attention because the word of God is what changes our lives. So I'm, a few verses here, Matthew chapter 11, and excuse me, my voice is a little, uh, little hoarse today, just a little tiny bit, so I may have to take a few uh, swigs of water. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, or excuse me, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, say forcefully advancing. Forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. We're talking about advancing. So, so, the, uh, pe- so the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Why would it have to forcefully advance? Just picture yourself in, uh, in a, a time where there's war. Maybe like think of like World War I, World War II. And so you have what? You have two opposing armies. And they're what? They're, their goal is they're trying to take over land. Correct? Anybody ever see war movies? I, I'm, a, I'm a war movie buff, man. I love them, all of them. You know, I mean, the old, all the old school movies, you know, Patriot, all those things. I love those movies. And so just kind of picture, kind of, you know, put yourself back in a mindset where you kind of, you kind of see these guys and you have these two colossal clashing of, of people. And what they're doing is, is they're not, they're not just go trying, they're not going to try to just kill everyone. They're going to overtake the land. So when it says the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, hey, does anybody know who is the, who is the, the ruler of this world? Satan. So, so in order for, in order for Christ, okay, now some, now see, back in the day we may have taken this, taken, we may have taken this out of context where you have the crusades where they're, you know, they take the gospel and, and, and screw it all up. Jesus didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, he made that very clear and there was, all, I mean, and and, and even his disciples didn't quite get it. You know, even when he had descended in the, or when he, uh, when he rose from the dead before he descended into heaven, he was like, okay, so Lord, now are you going to set up your kingdom? And he, and they still didn't get it. He's like, look, man, my kingdom's not of this earth. My kingdom is heavenly kingdom. So, so when we're talking about, uh, forcefully advancing, friends, we're talking about advancing the gospel. We're talking about advancing the kingdom of light, advancing over the kingdom of darkness. How many of us know the kingdom of, of darkness is ruling quite well here on earth? Absolutely. Step outside. You can see it. There are 
thousands and, and millions of people that are plagued by darkness because the enemy has ruled this world. He's called, he's called the principality and powers of the, of the air. He's the ruler of this world. And so, so, he, so if, in order for us to advance, friends, that's not, do you think the enemy's going to let go of, of his spoils easily? Absolutely not. Anyone that I ever see that make a commitment to Christ, it's always a fight, including my own. It's always a fight. So, but how many of us know that God is more powerful? Absolutely. Come on. You're on the right side, right? I mean, that's why I'm wearing my Ohio State shirt, because I'm on the right side. I love you Michigan fans, but man, Ohio State, you know, we just, you know, we, we, pulled, we pulled one, right, you know? So, amen. We love you guys. We love all you Michiganders, but understand what state we're in, right? <laughs> just messing with you all. I love you guys. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, if we live by, in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Two words, live, walk. So living is, is actually, you know, obviously, you know, you, you say it, you're, you're living it. And walking is actually doing it. Say doing it. It's doing it. But I love how it says it in the Amplified. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. The Amplified kind of, kind of puts a little bit of a smack on us. Anybody here like to get smacked in church? If you do, then you have a problem because nobody really likes to get smacked around. I mean, you just, you know, it's, it's, you know what it's like? It's almost like when, when you get, this is how it should be in church. It should be almost like going to the doctor. It's like nobody, you know, really likes to get a needle, right? But you know you need it, correct? Right. But, but obviously, hopefully church makes you feel a whole lot better than going to the doctor because it's the good pain. So it should be something that, you know, if you get a little sting by the scriptures, it's good because God wants to bring our life into alignment. So this is what I got. I read this. I'm like, man, I got stung by this. Here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 in the Amplified. He puts a little bit of sting on it. It says, if we claim to. I'm like, oh, man. Dude, he just kind of put a little slap in there. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. So what is, so what, so what is the... So what's the uh, Paul saying in the Amplified according to this? He's saying, put your money where your mouth is. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, put your fo- footwork, at, put that to your mouth work. So if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. And then I love it because the Amplified, it even gives us a little bit of, of I don't know how you could say this. Well, how can you do this? So I guess pra- practical application. So how do we walk by the Spirit? With personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. Say, our conduct empowered. Friends, we can't live the way that God wants us to live on our own strength, by our own merit, in our own way. We just can't do it. Why would you want to? Why would you want to? If you didn't have, if you didn't have God living in you, if you didn't have a relationship with God, why would you want to please God? The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to please God. It's awesome. I love it. Now, this is what's so cool. The word walk in the Greek here is stoikizo, which means march in military rank to keep step, to conform in virtue and piety. What's piety? That's just a big word, which basically means reverence for God and devotion. And to walk orderly. So when he's saying, if we claim to live in the Holy Spirit, we must walk, he's basically saying walk in like in a military type of stance. My brother Albert Jr. over here knows about military. And so, so when, when they when, when they give you orders, you move and you move immediately. Correct? Anybody, any, uh, any military vets in here? God bless you. Thank you for your service. We love you. Thank you. You guys understand it. Okay? So, 
So then our, our question is to ask God, as his servants, okay, Lord, what are your marching orders? What do you, where, where, where am I going today, God? What do you want me to do? That's how you walk in the spirit, friends. How many believe that God is good? How many believe that God, do you know that God is so in love with you? Do you know that? Do you know that God knows you more than you know yourself? Do you know that? How do I know this? You know, God don't know me more than my, I know myself. I bet he does. I bet a million dollars he does. Why? Scripture says, he says the very hairs on your head are numbered. Go ahead and tell me how many hairs you have on your head. Oh, see, look, you don't know yourself as well as you thought you did, did you? <laughs> For some of you guys, it's like, not as many as I used to. <laughs> some of you guys, it's like, well, it's kind of went down my back. <laughs> my hairs kind of gravitated, and now it's coming out my ears. Scripture says that the very hairs on our head are numbered, meaning we are so intricately and wonderfully made. God knows every detail of our lives. Do you know that God knows what's best for us? You think you know what's best for you? Mm, sometimes. But let me tell you this. Ultimately, how many of us know, how many of us absolutely 100% believe that God has our best interests at heart? Good, good. We're in a good place. So understand this. There are times when God wants to protect us from our own stupidity, from our own mistakes, from our own, where we think is best for us. And so we wonder why aren't, why why things aren't happening the way that they should happen? Well, I, I just, I am a firm believer that God is a protector. I'm a firm believer that God is a lover. He's a fighter. And I'm a believer that God knows me more than, my, than I know myself. And so when things happen, it's always for his good. And it's, it's usually either to teach me something or to make me wait for something. How many in here like to be taught? How many here like to wait? So look at all those hands. I mean, you guys are great. Look at all those hands will go up. Amazing. Everybody likes to wait. If you like waiting, we'll just go ahead and give you a little practice. Go get McDonald's after church today. You'll wait for a long time. They'll teach you how to wait. Want to learn patience? I love those guys. We got a lot of people. We got a lot. We got people that work at McDonald's that, that go here. So I'm not, I'm not ragging on them. I'm just saying they have helped me work on my fruit of patience quite often. I got to tell you this. It's so funny. Just because it, it has nothing to do with this. So one time we were waiting over there and I love, you know, those two s spots that they have reserved. Don't you feel so special when you have to pull up to the reserve spot? I mean, who likes to park in the reserved part of McDonald's? It's just amazing, you know, because basically reserved means your food isn't ready yet. So, so one time, one time we were over here and I just got to rag on them only because we give them so much money. Um, one time, one time we were, we were there and, and, uh, you know, we did our order. We got a big family and stuff, so we did our order. And so then, of course, they have us pull up to the reserve slot. My oldest son, he's so, he's so funny. He can say some of the funniest things. He said, and, and I apologize. If you work at McDonald's, please, this is just a joke. We love you. He was like, he said, Dad. He said, man, this place is so slow. He's like, they should fire everybody and hire sloths. They would be faster. I said, Joshua, you're so stupid. It's so funny. I was dying. I laughed for probably two minutes afterward. Fire everybody and hire sloths. They would be fast. Okay, anyways, enough ragging on McDonald's. Those people are great. Okay, they're, they're good, good people. But it's just funny. You want to learn patience, you're going to learn it. It always seems like, doesn't it seem like when you're running late, you catch every red light? Never fails. Never fails. Why don't you catch every green light when you're running late? Mm -hmm. maybe, you're, maybe the Lord's trying to teach you a little lesson in patience. Or maybe punctuality. I need to learn that lesson. Be on time. I got to move on here because it has nothing to do with what I want to talk about here. Let's go. Continue on. 
Okay, friends, I believe God is so, he is so in love with you. He loves you so very much. Let's get into the context of our scripture. Like I said, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Is that okay? How many of you guys got full this, uh, this Thursday on Thanksgiving? You feel like you ate good? Anybody, anybody, was anyone here on Wednesday? Man, some people, you guys double dipped. You came here, ate on Wednesday, and then afterwards you went and had turkey with your family on Thursday. Good for you. It's a good time. So hopefully you were well fed over the weekend. And so hopefully we're going to get fed by the word of God today. Does that sound good? You got a good full stomach on Thursday, and now we're going to fill your spirit here on Sunday. So we're going to read a handful of scripture. I'm going to do my best. I love the New Living Translation. So hopefully, I'm telling you, when I first committed my life to Christ, I tried reading the King James Version, and, and I, I love, I have multiple versions. I love reading multiple versions of the Bible. But for me, when I first committed my life to Christ, I did not understand a lick of what it was saying. And, what, and so I went to the store, and actually a Christian bookstore back when they were open, and I said, man, I need to find me a Bible. And you know what I found? I found me a New Living Translation. I read through that thing, and man, I was like, it was like it came alive, like, poof understood it. So we're going to read through the, to the New Living Translation today. We're going to read a few verses here in Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, how many of you got your Bibles? You got that old school leather bound. Hold that piece up. Look at all you saints. All right. And how many are new school? You got the good old phone, tablet. All right. All right. Variety of life. Okay. It's the spice of life variety. So you can have the good old leather bound or electronic, however you prefer. Or you can just go ahead and look up at the screens. Look at that. Word of God everywhere. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses here. Verse 13. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Say amen. amen. Do you know that? You have been called, called to live in freedom. Living in Christ is not living in bondage. It's not living in construction or you being constricted. Friends, you were called to live in freedom. Man, come on. I love it. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, we could preach that 365 days a year. That, that is two commands Jesus said. He said, you sum up the whole law in two things. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, friends, then basically you're good. But how many know those two things are like the hardest two things to do? Because a lot of times we love ourselves more than we love God. I mean, you know, it's not always beneficial for us to love God. How many of us know loving our neighbor is not always the easiest thing? Who in here is easy for you to love your neighbor? When it says neighbor, it's not just talking about the person that, that lives next to you. I'm talking about the person that works alongside you. I'm talking about the person that's sitting right next to you right now. We're talking, your neighbor's the person that's walking down the street, the person that's taking forever in front of you in line, the person that's working at Walmart and scanning their stuff real slowly. We're talking about your neighbor is everyone that's around you. So when it says love your neighbors, that's just talking about the person that you live next to. So love your neighbor as yourself. I think a lot of times people, maybe they have a hard time loving their neighbors because they don't love themselves. You can't give to somebody what you don't have. So if you don't love yourself, how can you love the person that's next to you? So get this revelation, friends. God wants to show you how much he loves you, show, show you how valuable you are, show you how wonderfully you're made so that you can have confidence in Christ, so that you can be who he, ha who he created you to be, so that you can walk in freedom. And then when you're filled up with the love of God, you can love people. Because you can't love people apart from the love of God. You can't. You don't have enough in you. 
it's not, if you don't have God's love in you, you can't give it out. You can't. We'll get into that in a little bit. I'm going to keep I'm preaching, man. Shut it up. Read the Bible. <laughs> Shut it up and read the Bible. Okay, here we go. Verse 15. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Does anybody know what the sinful nature is? What's the sinful nature? The flesh, it's, it's like what's inside of you that wants to do bad, right? I can do all bad by myself. Mm-hmm. Don't need anyone to help me do that. Okay? Sinful nature is the thing inside of you that wants to do bad. Okay? Just to let you know. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Yeah, there should, if you, hopefully you have tension in your heart. Hopefully you, that fight is going on inside of you. It should be. It says, when you are directed, or excuse me, oh, uh, then these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not, you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So it's like, man, I want to do good, but man, I want to do bad, right? Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now he's going to give us a list of things that the sinful nature does. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that, sorry, my throat, anyone that lives this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, say but, you just said but in church, but, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So obviously your sinful nature, those are the things the sinful nature wants to produce. These are the things that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit. Love it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things exclamation point. That's pretty cool. Those who belong to Christ, say belong. Do you belong to him? Come on. Those who belong to Christ, yep, you're his. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. crucified them. It says, then he goes on to say, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. All right, we're going to break down some of these verses here because I believe the Lord just kind of wants to highlight these things. Again, like I said, this message is a little different than how I usually share, but I think it's good. I really felt like the Lord just really wanted to break down some of these verses. And so we're going to go back up to verse 13. So you can, uh, Pastor Ben, if you just go ahead, you can just put those verses back on up because we're just going to kind of break them down verse by verse. Is that okay? Can we break down the scripture verse by verse? We still got a little bit of time. Are you guys with me? All right. 
Do a little Bible study at church today. Does it sound good? All right. Verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. I love how it says, and use our freedom to serve and love people. God has set us free. Man, I'm telling you, do you know, the Scripture says, to him who the Son sets free is free indeed. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So last time I preached, I talked about when we walk in the Spirit, we walk in freedom. So when you are truly walking in the Spirit, you're walking in the freedom that God has for you. You're walking in freedom. God has called us to be free. I love it. I love the freedom that I have in Christ. Okay, in verse 15, we'll skip 14, we'll just go to 15, because we know it just says love your neighbor yourself. I talked a little bit about that. Verse 15, it says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So friends, we got to be careful about backbiting, gossip, slandering, and talking bad about people. The Bible says, it's talk, it says you're biting and devouring them. That's with your words. Obviously, you, you aren't literally carnivorous, you know, what, are the, what do they call those people that eat other people? I forget the word. Cannibals. This is, he's not talking about cannibalism. He's talking about with our words, how we're devouring people and destroying people. So, man, our mouth, it's life and, dung, life and, and death come out of, from our tongue, from our mouth. And so we got to be careful not to bite and devour people. And how many of us know, man, we can be so good at doing that, even in the church, bite and devour people, gossip and slander, talking bad about people. Oh, look at her, what she did. Oh, look at him. We just got to be careful that we're not using our mouth to, to tear people down but to build people up. I've been telling my kids that here recently. I'm like, you know what? Anytime you want to say something negative, we're just going to cut, stop the conversation right there. Just, let's just stop it. We're not going to use our mouth to tear each other down. Then I usually have to spank some butts, but yeah, I got this really cool paddle from the giveaway. It was actually pretty cool. It's actually, (laughs) it's actually, I think it's like supposed to like clean your grill or whatever. And, uh, I, yeah, I brought, I'm like, man, this will make a good whooping stick right here. You got a, you got a better one. <laughs> I'm sure my kids won't appreciate that at all. <laughs> Verse 16. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Friends, let the Holy Spirit guide us. What does that mean to guide? What's a guide? Anybody here ever, anybody here ever trek? Anybody here ever go through trails? Has anybody here ever done that? If you ever, if you've ever done any trekking or went through trails or doing any other stuff, usually if there's not a path and there's not signs telling you to go to the left or to the right, you have a what? A guide. You have a guide. I've got good friends that do missionary work uh, in Laos and stuff like that, and that's what they and that's what they did. They set up, they set up a program, and that's what they were trekking through the mountains. They were taking people through all of these uh, up and down, like for you know, and you have to. I mean, you have backpacks and you do all this stuff, and you have a guide that takes you. And if you don't have the right guide, you get lost. So, this, so how many of us know we need the Holy Spirit as our guide? Because you can get lost in this world, friends. There's all kinds of stuff. So it says, let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature uh, desires. Verse 17. Again, I'm talking, you know, the sinful nature is our flesh. Okay? It wants to do bad. But there's this conflict that happens where you have the Holy Spirit versus the sinful nature. There should be a conflict inside of you. If there's not conflict, I would question my walk with Christ. Because there should be something inside of you that says, yes, I want God. Yes, I want to do what's right. Yes, I want to do what the Bible says. But then the old sinful nature wants to do what it wants to do too. 
So if you aren't in a, if there isn't a colossal clash that's happening in your heart, I would question my walk with Christ because what that means is I'm there. That means there isn't something pulling me to the light side, <laughs> right? Now, mind you, as you the, the the easier you or excuse me, not the easier because it never gets easier. The longer you follow Christ, that tension does get a little bit easier. The tension loosens a little bit, but you're always going to have that tension. You're, there's always going to be something inside of you that's going to want to have its own selfish nature, do your own will try to control somebody. You're going to try to, I mean, there's just something inside of us that always wants our own will. So there should be, and that's why I love that it it says that these two, two forces are constantly fighting each other. You should have a fight happening inside of you. Every Christian should have this tension inside that. That's why Paul says, he says, Paul, the apostle, he says, I do not do what I want to do. And when I do do the things I don't want to do, it's not me, it's sin in me doing it. And if Paul the Apostle, who wrote the most of the New Testament, is talking about this tension inside of him, then friends, each and every one of us should have that tension inside of us. Because as a follower of Christ, there's tension. How many of us know that Jesus felt that tension before he was on the cross? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. What was happening? That tension. He said, Father, take this cup from me, meaning I don't want to die. Tension. Say tension. Okay, this is the battle that's happening. He says, but Father, not my will, your will be done. And then we know the rest of the story, right? He allowed himself to be put on the cross. Because he said, he said, I can call 12 legions of angels. They can lick this whole little band of, of 30 Roman sol- uh, centurion soldiers. I can take care of myself. But he said, but this must happen for what? For, for us to become what? Sons and daughters. Come on, someone. You guys with me? All right. Verse 17. I love this. I'm going to go back up to the beginning of verse 17. This is really cool. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Do you know that God gives us desires? When you say yes to Christ, God will start changing your desires. Do you know that? Before, before I committed my life to Christ, my desires was, you know, I wanted to get drunk until I was in a stupor. I wanted to get high every day. I wanted to, you know, be with this girl, that girl, this girl, whatever. But when I committed my life to Christ, do you know my desires changed? Seriously, isn't that weird? I mean, God, because when you start spending time with God, your desires change. You know what? It happens in marriage. You get married to a person, you find yourself start eating stuff that you didn't like. Or start doing stuff that you never expected yourself to do. I never expected myself to watch Anne of Green Gables. Never on my radar. (laughs) Never really liked chick flicks. My wife never really liked action flicks. But my wife loves action flicks now. Why? Being with me, her her desires changed. Me being with her, my desires kind of changed. Not that I like chick flicks. I mean, I like them on a rare occasion, right? Because, you, you know, it just, you know, just put your wife in that good mood. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, we're just, you're on the same, on the same page? That's right. <laughs> Word of advice. The way you treat your wife in the day, uh, during the day is how she's going to treat you at night. Boom. Put it out there. So, sorry, that's, that's, that's it. That's a rule, man. 16 years life lesson right there. Bam. 
32-year life lesson. He got it. <laughs> Let's get back on this. Why do I keep getting away from this? God changes our desires. So, I, so when I committed my life to Christ, he started changing my desires. Okay, I didn't ever want to read the Bible. I started saying yes to God. I wanted to read the Bible. I, you know, going to church to me was a chore. But then when I committed my life to Christ, I wanted to start going to church. Are you seeing? Desires change. Then inside, then I wanted to stop smoking weed. Then I wanted to stop doing drugs. I remember when I was with my girlfriend and I was like, we have to break up. My desires begin to change because God gives us his desires. And then I start finding myself. I want, instead of living my life for myself, I want to please other people. I want to serve other people. Not like being a man pleaser, but you know what I mean? I want to live my life, not for me, but I want to live for others. Friends, that desire is not my desire. That's not the sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to feed itself. The selfish nature wants it to be about me and all me. And when you say yes to God, he starts pulling out that me, selfish, sinful nature and starts putting in and depositing in us the desires of God, which are selfless. So you can't really, to be honest, you can't really live for Jesus without his spirit. That's why we got to walk by the Spirit of God. God gives us his desires. He changes our heart. I love that it talks about how many, you, how many of you guys remember the story when Samuel the prophet, when he anointed a Saul to be king, the scripture says his heart was changed and he was a new man. That's what happens when we commit our life to Christ. He changes our heart. We become new. All things become new. How many, how many of us like the fact that God has changed us and make, made us new? I'm telling you, you wouldn't like the Josh Hester, the old Josh Hester, the nasty, selfish, drug-doing Josh Hester 20 years ago. Nah, right? (laughs) But the new Christ, the new Josh Hester in Christ, B.C., right? The B.C., before Christ? (laughs) Let's continue on here. And then going into verse 18, it says, but when we are directed by the Spirit, we are not under an obligation to law. Okay, verse 19. We're going to start getting into this. I'm going to kind of break down each one of these. Is that okay? Are you guys still with me? Again, I know this isn't the type of, of uh, you know, you know where we're. I know. It's like it's after Thanksgiving sermon, I'm going to put everybody to sleep today. That's all right. Verse 19. We're going to get into these things. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. What's sexual immorality? Sexual immorality is any sexual act outside of the marriage covenant that God ordained. Very easy. Okay? The next one, impurity. What's impurity? Impurity is corruption. It's not having the right motives. It's acting in any wrong, in any wrong way that takes us away from purity. Impurity, obviously, right? So when we have thoughts, intentions, actions that are not pure. Okay? Lustful pleasure. We're going to just break down each and every one of these. What's lustful pleasure? That is acting out on strong sexual desire, okay, outside of your marriage covenant, okay? (laughs) He said, thank you for clearing that up. Okay, God or taint, the the Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled, okay? So, I mean, inside of the covenant of marriage, be free, have fun, do whatever you want to do. But anything outside of that, okay, when you have strong desires for other people, it's less for pleasure. Verse 20. Idolatry. Obviously, we know idolatry is worshiping idols. Okay, in America, that's just not something that we see too often. 
You see that obviously more in other countries where they have shrines and different things like that, especially more Eastern countries. But here in America, let's get into this. Okay, this is another form of idolatry. Extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. So this can be a job. This can be a family. This could be a family member. This could be a hobby. So when you have extreme admiration or love or reverence for something or someone greater than the Lord, that's called idolatry, friends. Football. It could be. I mean, football could be. It really could. Sorcery. Okay, obviously we know sorcery is using magic. Obviously drawing your strength or power from any other force other than God. Okay, sorcery. Hostility. Here we're going to get into some of these fun ones here. Hostility. Unfriendly, aggressive behavior, opposition. Okay, now what it's talking about, it's not talking about, this is talking about when you have an attitude like this. You have a hostile attitude. Quarreling. Man. Uh-oh. Quarreling is having an angry, angry argument or disagreement. It's not, it's not that, you know, you, you, all of us are going to get into fights now and, now and then. Okay? But, when, but how many of us know that isn't of God, obviously? It says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So when you find yourself in, in, a, in, a, in a bat of quarreling where you're having angry disagreement all the time, friends, that's the sinful nature. Jealousy. Resentment against someone because of success or advantage. Jealousy. Selfish ambition. What's selfish ambition? Selfish ambition is devoting, is when you are devoted to or caring only for yourself. Your primary concern is your own interest, and especially at the expense of others. So when you, when you, so selfish ambition is when you do whatever it takes for you to exceed or excel. And it says especially at the expense of others. So you're going to do whatever it takes and you're going to you know, you kind of, maybe you see this in corporate America where they'll step on people to, you know, politics or whatever. Selfish ambition. Man, I got quiet here. <laughs> Dissensions. How come every time we start talking about sin, it gets all quiet in a church? Are you guys listening? Hopefully you're listening good. That's why I got quiet. <laughs> see, nobody likes hearing about, why do, well, we didn't go to church to hear about sin. We went to her, church to hear about Jesus. Well, we got to listen. We got to read the Bible too, okay? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I like the fact that God tells us what, what the boundaries are. How would you know what the boundaries are if you don't know the boundaries? If football players didn't have lines, they'd run out of bounds. Imagine football. We're just talking about football. Imagine, imagine them not having white lines on the side. They'd run out of bounds. Okay, friends, without us knowing where our boundaries are, we'd run out of bounds. Okay, dissensions. Did I already talk about dissensions? Nope. Dissensions, disagreement that lead to discord, strife, conflict, lack of agreement or harmony. Divisions, act of separation, something disunity, disunion, divisions. Divisions, two visions. You have a vision, somebody else has a vision, you guys clash. Verse 21, envy. Feeling of discontent and longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, etc. Basically, you want somebody else's stuff. You're envious. You want somebody else's stuff. You ever find yourself wanting somebody else's stuff? It's envy. I want their stuff. Now, some people, they want their stuff, and they go take their stuff. And then, then you went from envy to stealing. That's <laughs> what it is. Drunkenness, okay? Intoxicate, intoxication, altering your normal conditions, uh, individual uh, consumption of alcohol easily. Okay, we know that. Wild parties, last one here. Out of control. Did I skip one? Outbursts. <laughs> See, I did skip one. Like, 
outbursts of anger. Okay, I'm going to just pause, I'm gonna pause it for a minute. I'm like, dang, I missed one. I've seen that. I missed one. Outbursts of anger. Okay, the scripture says, how many of us know that anger in itself isn't sin? How do I know this? Because God got angry and there's no sin in God. The scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. How many of us know that that is very hard? <laughs> so when it's saying outburst of anger, outburst, get it? Outburst. It's not the emotion of anger. It's not when you get angry. It's when you burst out in anger. Do you get it? It doesn't say anger. Anger is not sin. It's the outburst. It's what, <laughs> what you say and do in anger. How many? Many of us, we need to learn. I'm telling you, you need to have a good holy outlet when you get angry. You need to find yourself a nice punching bag that's not your spouse. You need to find, you need to find, you need to find a nice trail that you can walk around uh, your, your neighborhood. You need to have some sort of holy outlet. I'm telling you, you need to learn to calm yourself down. If you find yourself getting so enraged and so angry, taking it out on the person isn't going to make it any better. Step away from this situation. Go, go for a drive. Go for a walk. Go downstairs and, and punch your punching bag. Go hit the weights. Go hit the gym. Do something. You know, have a constructive way. And I'm telling you, and you just got to learn how to channel. Anger itself is an emotion. You just got to learn how to channel it in, into a way that's, that's constructive and that's not taking it out on, on the person that you love or the people that you love. Because then it's all bad. And then you got to go back and you got to clean it up. And then that's no fun. Sometimes, you know what? I don't like uh, being angry and saying stupid stuff because I don't like to apologize. I'm being honest. I shut my mouth selfishly because I don't like to say I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's easier for me to shut it up first and to walk away than say something that I shouldn't have said and then got to, I'm sorry, baby. To me, that's harder. Is that, is that just me? Anybody here have a hard time saying they're sorry? Thank you. We're going to start at a club. It's called I Have a Hard Time I'm Saying Sorry Club. We'll do therapy together. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, it never gets easier. Some people are real good at it. Some people are good at apologizing. My wife is very good at apologizing. Seems like Pastor Earl is pretty good at apologizing for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us stubborn ones have a hard time. <laughs> okay. Outbursts of anger. Okay, we got that. Wild parties. Basically, out of control, unknown activity, drugs, sex, you know, going buck wild, all that stuff. Okay, so that's what he's talking about, wild parties. Okay, let's go into the good stuff here. So that's the sinful nature. Those are the acts of the flesh, blah, 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 blah. Let's get into the good stuff. We got a few more minutes here. Verse 22. You ready for the goods? All right. Here we go. For the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces these kind of fruits in our lives. Love love. Okay, now we're talking about genuine love. When God produces love, it's not lust. Friends, it's not a love based on your desires being met or with conditions or with restrictions. See, we think we know what love is, but then, friends, when you actually, truly, authentically have a have a uh, an encounter with the love of God, you realize your love is diddly squat. Seriously. Because for the most part, a lot of our love is conditional. I love you because you produce something back for me. I, I, I love you. I have emotions for you because you do this for me. And the moment that they stop doing that for you, then you stop loving them, and you find somebody else that can produce that for you, then we call that an affair. Right? Oh, I thought we was going to get into the good stuff. Yeah, we are. We are. 
He produces love. I'm telling you, God will put this love inside of you. I'm telling you, he can fill you up with love. Because, you, again, you can't love your neighbor as you love yourself. You need to, God, God truly wants to fill you with love for him, love for yourself, love for people. He will produce that in you. Doesn't it feel good to have love in your life? Imagine a world of lovelessness. It's called hell. It's there. Here we go, the good old stuff. God wants to produce joy in your life. Do you know that? Joy. Okay, joy is great pleasure, happiness, rejoicing, true happiness, not based on circumstance. It says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. God wants to give you joy. Joy. The scripture says that the joy that God gives, friends, there's nothing like that stuff. There's nothing like the joy that God can give. He wants to produce peace in your life. Okay, not, he wants to eliminate the strife, anxiety. The scripture says that he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Peace. Man, just, I mean, you know how many people just wish they had peace in their life? How many people in here wish they had peace in their life? Come on. The Holy Spirit wants to produce that. You got to let him start doing the work. It's a fruit. Anybody here, anybody here ever go to like the apple orchard? Anybody here go to the pumpkin patch? It goes from a seed to a tree, and then fr- uh, fruit takes a while to produce, correct? We don't really know too much about that because we just go to the grocery store and we just get our apples and oranges and all that other stuff. I'm not a farmer, but I know that there's seasons that fruit, it takes a while for fruit to grow. And so, friends, as you say yes to Christ in this walk with God, in this journey with him, do you know as you're, as you're staying connected to him, do you know that God will start developing? That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit in your life. You can't get away from it. If you're, if you're taking time to spend time with God, whether you read your Bible, you're taking time to pray, you're taking time to come to church, you're taking time to actually apply something of, of, of spiritual value to your life, you'll start seeing these things start bear fruit in your life. Man. He's the Prince of Peace, friends. When you're, not, when you're walking next to the Prince of Peace, you're going to have some peace. Patience. Oh, Lord. Hmm. Okay, more than just tolerant of delay. We talked a little bit about that. But friends, true patience is having a quietness of your soul. It's when you can suffer without getting upset or angry. That the, another translation of that is called long-suffering. Long-suffering, that's what it is. It's when you can suffer without getting angry. Nobody likes that. But I'm telling you, how awesome would it be for you to go through things and you're not getting all upset and angry about it because you have patience. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Kindness. Gentleness, considerate, friendliness, caring, helpful, generous. And I'm also going to say goodness because I'm going to read these two and I'm going to say something. Goodness, integrity, honesty, uprightness of heart and life, kindness, generosity, benevolence. In the old English, goodness actually used to be godness. So if somebody had goodness, they, uh, back in the old English, they would say they had, they had godness, which basically means they acted like God. Do you know two, ver- two different verses? One translation says the kindness of God. Another translation says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Which means it didn't say the wrath of God. <laughs> the fear of God. It says the goodness of God. The kindness of God leads men to repentance. Meaning, man, when you see how good our God is, you're like, man, I don't want to live like this. Because my God is so good. 
The problem is, is friend, many of us, we need to show God, we need to show the people of this earth kindness. You preaching to somebody and, and, and going down their throat with the Bible isn't always necessarily kindness. Do you know that there's, you know that there's two things that usually cause people uh, to commit their life to Christ? Number one is they have, a, they have an, an experience with God of some sort. You know, on some level, they have an experience with God. Or the second thing is, where a lot of people, is they saw something different in someone else. Kindness. Say, look at your neighbor say kindness. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. True, devout, loyal, dependable, firm, adhere to allegiance, unswerving, adhere to a person or thing or promise or oath. So God will develop faithfulness in you. Man, that's good. Where you can be truly devoted, loyal, dependable. Verse 23, gentleness. Oh, Lord. Lord knows I need this one. I just lay hands on myself. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, gentleness. Verse 23, gentleness. The quality of being kind, tender, mild-mannered, soft in action. Another translation would say meekness. And I preach this message. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness defined is power restrained. So, so the best way I can think of gentleness is like when you have this big, grown, burly man and he's, and he's holding a little baby. What's that? Gentleness. He can't just like, right? <laughs> She's, as my mom's holding a baby right now. There's something, right? There's something about you have, you have this power inside, but yet you have a soft touch. Gentleness. Quality of being tender, mild-mannered, soft in action. Lord, help me. Say, Lord, help me. <laughs> and here's the one we all need. Self-control. You can just go ahead and say that out loud. Say self-control. Isn't it amazing that the Bible doesn't say control your neighbor? It doesn't say control your spouse. You know any other control other than self-control is witchcraft? Do you know God doesn't even control you? He gave us this beautiful, amazing gift. It's called free will. God doesn't control you. You're not a puppet. You're not a robot. I am not a robot. I am not a clone. You're not a robot. The only control that God produces in us is self-control. The only one that he's called any of us to control is, is ourself. So if you're trying to control the person that you're living with, friends, that's, I, that's witchcraft. If you're trying to control your boss, that's witchcraft. If you're trying to control your kids, okay, you don't need to necessarily control them. I mean, you're, you're, you're stewarding over them. But the only one you're supposed to control, the only one that you're called to control is yourself. And self-control is the ability, is the ability con- to, to control oneself, and particularly in your emotions, desires, and uh, feelings. Restraint. Say restraint. Especially in our impulses, emotions, feelings, reactions, being able to stop yourself. Say, now, friends, now all these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The problem is, is that many of us are trying to produce these things in our own life, and you can't. You can't produce love in your life. You can't produce self-control. You can have some, you can have some, you know, some self-discipline and things like that. But true self-control, the only way that that's going to develop in your life is walking in the Spirit and saying yes to God. And allowing him to do the work in you. He wants to produce. It's called the fruit of the spirit for a reason. Meaning he produces it in our lives. 
Friends, and it's so, you know what it's so, it's amazing when God supernaturally produces in us love. Where there were, we were loveless. Joy, where we had depression. Come on. Peace, where we had, uh, you know, anxiety. Patience, where we were just always tense all the time. Kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, where maybe we couldn't, we, we had the, we did not have the ability to be devoted to a person or to a thing. Gentleness, man, we're always rough, just rough around the edges. Self-control, you have the ability to restrain yourself. Why? Why would we want to do any of these things? Because of verse 24. Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Nailing your passions to the cross. You know what that means? That means that you gotta, you got to do something. They nail their passions and their desires to the cross because you belong to him. So friends, out of your great love and affection for him, you say, that sinful nature that wants to have its way in my life, I'm putting it, I'm, I'm nailing it to the cross. I'm giving it over to God. I belong to him, so my sinful nature, all of this is going to be crucified. It's staying with him. Again, not that we don't make mistakes and that we don't mess up. The Bible says a man falls seven times, a righteous man, but he does what? Gets back up. So friends, when you make a mistake, if you relapse, if you fall short, if you, if you screw up, you know what? Shake the dust off, get back up, and get back on the horse. Not that you ride a horse or anything, but just get back to it, man. Get back in that. We all, we all, that's, that's the amazing thing about grace. God already knows. He already knows where our shortcomings is. Now, that isn't an excuse to make a mistake and to say, well, I know I can do this. No, friends. There's a difference between falling into sin and habitual sin. So if you fall, it's okay. Get back up. That's why I love Rocky. One of my favorite, absolute favorite, favorite series. This dude gets the crap beat out of him. And he gets back up. Does anybody remember uh, uh, Rocky Three? How did he how did he beat Mr. T? How did he beat Mr. T? He had to outlast him, right? He had to outlast him. Means he had to take a whooping. Because the first the first time he fought it, see now you're gonna have to go back and rewatch it. Because see, some of y'all don't even get it. Go back, it's a classic, it's good, you know. Come on. You'll probably <laughs> that's right, that's right. The first time he got whooped. The second time. When he was fighting him, what happened? He had to outlast him. He had to take a whooping and get back up. He had to outlast him. Friends, you know, that's, that's, this, that's this walk with Christ. We're all going to take a licking. And some people, they take a licking, and they fall down, and they never get back up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Stand your feet with me today. We're going to pray today because I think, I know, God wants to do a work in us. I believe it. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's just an honor to be able to serve you today and to pray for you today. And so we're just going to take a moment. And if there's any part of this message, man, where you kind of felt pricked, 
that's okay. That's called conviction, and that's good. Because, okay, the scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I just want to go ahead and kind of lay that out there, because sometimes people that come to church are like, I don't like how church makes me feel. It kind of makes me feel kind of bad. The Lord, friends, he really wants us to know how much he loves us, how much affection he has for us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome to speak to us. Your word says we got to take the full counsel of God. God, your word says you discipline those you love. So God, if in here today, God, there's a little prick in our heart. We just repent right here, right where we're standing. Just make the place where you're standing an altar. If there's not a prick, that's okay. Just say, Lord, how can I live for you today? How can I live for you tomorrow? How can I live a life that's pleasing to you? I choose. That's a cool thing. This great gift it's called free will. I choose to say yes to you, God. Not out of obligation. Not because I feel manipulated. Not because somebody talked me into it. But because, Lord, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I have been convinced. <laughs> so even now, in the name of Jesus, would you just fill our hearts and our minds, God? Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you that we would begin to see the fruit of the Spirit develop. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Help us to walk the way you walked, God. We say yes to you today. God, we just thank you, God, that we were able to celebrate baptism today. Father, I just speak a blessing, God, over my brother-in-law and my sister today. I thank you for them. And Lord, we thank you for this, this walk of faith that they've publicly made a confession of. And Lord, we just thank you, God. And we pray for every person in here, God. We thank you for every person that's joined us. God, we thank you for all those that are, that are in Waterville that are gathered together in your name. And Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen.